Okay, so let's just start the last and final installment of this, uh, this series, The Church is Led By. And so we're going to fill in the blank. The church is led by Jesus. The church is not led by Mike Signorelli, thank God. Um, it's led by Jesus Christ himself. And so when you choose not to covenant to a church, you're actually not coming into alignment with the leader of the church. Oh, it got real quiet. <laughs> so if Jesus is leading the church, then we must attend a church because we're coming up under submission of him as a leader. And, and so the unchanging Jesus leads the unwavering church. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 through 9. So let's take a look at Hebrews. It's the 13th chapter, verse 7 through 9. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Okay, so we just, in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, remember the leaders. I want you to, I know this might be tragic for some of you, but remember the former pastors that you had. It wasn't all bad. God used them. God used them to deposit things in you. God, you, man, some, I didn't think I was going to cry doing this. God used them. You know, um, they, you know, they may have missed the mark. They may have failed, but, but there was something in the midst of it. You know, a wise person said, chew the meat and spit the bones. And so it says, consider these, these leaders. It actually, scripture tells us to remember them. And so our pain tells us to forget them, forget those leaders. But scripture says it's, it's actually good for us to remember them. And, and, and so in that way, um, I, there's another scripture that says, honor your mother and father that you may have a long life. And so honor is not connected to the degree by which how they were a good mother and father, but rather the fact that they were your mother and father. And so you don't get a choice. Uh, it was chosen for you. The only choice you get is whether you'll honor or dishonor the choice that God made for you, even if you don't agree with it. And so, and so in the same way, like you may have been raised in a church where you didn't agree with the decision for them to be your leader. You may have made a decision for somebody to be your leader and then decided that wasn't a good decision and left that church. But remember your leaders um, because and consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And so, you know, this is the next portion I want to break down. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So those two sentences are seemingly contradictory. Like, remember humans that failed, but imitate their faith, not their failures. Are you with me? Like, imitate their faith, not their failures. Like, you got to put it through a filter. Like, you don't drink the tea, the, the tea leaves. You, you drink what the, what the tea leaves produced in the water. So you filter the leaves out and the tea remains. Like, and so the faith of that leader in your life, it did something to, to you. It, and, and there was a potency there. You just filter out the failures, but you keep the faith. Oh, come on. This is helping somebody. But then this next sentence, this next part of the verse says, Christ Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which remind us ultimately Jesus is the leader of the church. And he never fails. Can I get an amen on that? And so um, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. As a matter of fact, I've been saying this more and more. If it's something that you've never heard before, it's probably heresy. 
So like if somebody's constantly blowing your mind in a sermon, it's because they're a heretic. Like there should be something that I say that you're like, I heard my other pastor say that and the one before that. And yeah, because we're all within orthodoxy. We're not heretics. And so like right now, because many people are getting YouTube seminary degrees, there's people out there that are distributing heresy and heresy gets more clicks and likes and engagement, but it's not what's, um, it's not, it's not what you crave. It's what you need. You know, like I crave cake, but I need broccoli. And so you're getting like kind of a, a, a breakdown here. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not de- benefited those who are devoted to them. And so Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it emphasizes the unchanging nature of Jesus Christ. And, and, and this is very important in the midst of a rapidly changing world. Um, anybody else? I don't know about you. I, I just been feeling old lately. Like somebody says like 20 years ago, and I think they mean 1980, <laughs> but it's 2000. You know, like I was watching one of my favorite bands play, um, a show on YouTube the other day. And, and then I was like, and it said 1998. And I was like, that was 25 years ago. <laughs> okay. I'll move on. I'll move on. And so <laughs> You know, oh, I, like I just triggered myself in front of all of you. Um, but, but the world is rapidly changing. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the Greek word for the same underscores his immutability, which means he's the same. He never changes. He's an anchor. And so, and so church production changes. Like the fact that I'm here in Indiana, live streaming into New York City and Long Island, this was not even physically possible 20 years ago when I got ordained in ministry right down the street from this church building. Like it was physically impossible to do what I'm doing right now now. And so in the midst of change, like Christ is the anchor. It's always been about Jesus. It's never been about production. It's been about his presence. It's, and it will always be about Jesus. You know, there's been times where our dream team has been like pastor Mike, who somebody kicked a cable out in New York city last week. I don't know if we thought it was the devil, but it was a team member kicked a cable out. Maybe it was the devil in them. I don't know. But I've always told people like our value is excellence, not perfection, because we can have church without a sound system because Jesus is the anchor of the church. It's always been about him. And so that, that's why for me, this helps me. Like it's always been about Jesus. And then this, this Greek word yesterday, it's exodus signifies, you know, basically, uh, the past. And so he's got over the past. He's, he's got over today and represents the present. And then we, it basically the future denotes continuity. And so it's this thread that's woven through the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of me. That same spirit dwelled inside of Peter, that same spirit dwelled inside of Paul. It's the spirit gives a different distribution of gifts, but it's the same spirit that gives those 
those gifts. And so when I preach, it's in a different language. Maybe, I mean, English didn't even exist in the way it exists, but it was like Peter would have got up there and preached but in Greek, but it would have been the same power, the same Holy Ghost. So there's this continuity. And when, the, when one of the psalmists across one of our campuses leads worship and they feel the electricity of God's anointing over them and they begin to boldly, um, you know, just sing what God gave them, that's the same anointing that came upon the first century as they were leading worship inside of uh, converted synagogues and homes. It, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we get to heaven, and we're joined together in this wonderful chorus of souls. It's like across different eons of time, you know, some of believers in the Middle Ages, some of them that were saying, I was one of those people that were martyred in the Colosseum that your pastor talked about that Sunday. And you're like, we were in air conditioning, bro. We had it so much easier. But it's like, we'll be able to join together with all these believers and say, we felt the same presence of the same Jesus through the same Holy Spirit. And, and that brings me so much comfort. So I want to shift now into, into this um, next portion. And you got to stay with me through the entirety of this message because I'm going to bring it full circle. And, and this probably won't blow your mind now, but it will in the end. So can you stay with me? And so as we come together as the church, it's important to understand that there is a designation of authority. So Jesus leads the church. But then Jesus gives his authority over believers to be elevated up into positions. And more specifically, um, the one that we have most often referred in scripture is elders. And V1 has elders. We use the term elders and pastors interchangeably because unfortunately the term pastor only shows up twice in scripture. I don't know if you know that. And so it seems as if what is referred to as eldership in the scriptures is the same as shepherding. And, and so for that sake, if you ever hear like, oh, you know, Pastor Josh or, you know, Pastor Randall and Mary, which did such an incredible job in New York City last week, or, you know, we've got so many pastors. Yeah, come on. We're cheering you on here in Indiana. But, you know, when you hear that term pastor, it's interchangeable with elders, and you know, a lot of churches help you understand what it means to be a member of a church, but I don't think I've ever sat in a sermon where the lead pastor of the church, for me, I'm the apostolic leader, so I function as the apostle over this work, has ever actually told you what is your responsibility as you interact with the leaders? Like, how do you do that? Like, what, what is your responsibility? And I was thinking about, like, this is going to be one of the weirdest things I've ever done in a sermon. But if the title of this sermon is The Church is Led by Jesus, and then Jesus gives his authority to certain leaders, and they're called elders, then I would be wanting to know in the congregation, well, how am I supposed to interact with those people? Because I already know how to interact with Jesus. Does this make sense? So almost every church service you've ever been in your entire life has taught you how to interact with the, the, the leader over all the church, but not the human leaders of the church. So I'm going to give you just quickly 10 responsibilities that you have as a church member towards elders. And this is going to be weird because it's almost like I'm teaching you how to treat me. <laughs> Praise God. But you know, we have a teenager and Bella, I know you're watching right now. Just daddy. I, I, we have a deal that every time I use her in a sermon, I have to pay her money. So she's getting paid for this. So don't feel too bad. But it's funny because, you know, now she's a little bit taller than Julie and you know, she's, it's a little woman in a house under a woman. 
And so many of you are like little leaders in a house under a leader, and you get a little sassy. <laughs> you know, oh, I know better than Randall. Oh, what? You know, I know better than Mike. I know better than, you know, Josh or whatever. Uh, and so my wife, it's funny because she's like, you don't, don't say that like that to me. You know, and they're constantly, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't even pick up on the tone. I heard her tone, you know? And so Julie has to like kind of define the boundaries of how Bella interacts with her. And so I was, I was laughing saying, you know, when you're building a healthy church, these are conversations that you have. These are family conversations. And so these are not um, the most conference level sermons, but, but then you'll look back and you'll say, you know, the, the defining sermon in my life was actually that one. And so let me, let me give this to our house um, just briefly. So 10 responsibilities of church members towards the elders. Number one, pray for them. Colossians chapter four, verse two and three, pray for them. I know that you pray for you, but something special happens when you pray for the elders over you. Like I can't explain it, but just try it. I've always prayed for the leader above me. Uh, when I went to go launch V1 Church, the church that I was attending uh, was doing a capital campaign to buy a building. My wife and I came together and we were praying for our leadership. And we said, what if there was a way for us to raise money to plant our church, but never even ask money of the church that we're attending? And we honored them in that way. And then all of a sudden, $50,000 came in the mail through Manila envelopes within six weeks from people in New York that we never asked for money. So something happens when you pray for, pray for them. Matter of fact, you know, get your kids together. What would it look like in your home if you and your kids prayed for the elders of your local church? I think about how you would be teaching them. They think about what kind of power would be released in your home. Number two, follow their examples. And if they're not a good example, come and tell Papa Sig so I can release them from the team. Because <laughs> I love, we love firing pastors. <laughs> Praise God, you know. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> um, you know, I started this series by talking about um, when, when somebody's an unrepentant sin, you actually release them and then you rebuke them publicly in front of your entire congregation so that the fear of God will be installed in them. And so I'm not afraid to get up on stage and, and tell you what they did because, you know, those who are worthy of double honor also double judgment. And, and so, but, but so follow their examples, the good ones. First Corinthians chapter four, verse 14. Number three, obey their teaching and their counsel. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. So actually, okay, <laughs> this is the point of having leadership don't do what you agree with and what you understand. Do what is being taught through the word of God because it releases the blessing and favor of God. And so many times I've actually counseled someone and they haven't done it because they didn't understand it or they didn't agree with it, but it was for the saving of their soul. And so when you are interacting with elders of the church, actually obey their counsel. I know it's right now Pastor Jocelyn is saying, this is my favorite sermon ever, but actually do. And you know what I called this? When I did this with my pastors, experiments with obedience. That just means if I keep doing things the way I think it should be done, I'm going to keep getting the results I'm getting. But if I do things the way they're saying the word of God says to be done, I'm going to get a different result. So I'm going to experiment with obedience. That was actually my uh, very, very um, obnoxious way of saying submitting to their authority. 
I couldn't even say the word. I said, submit. So I said, well, I'm going to experiment with being obedient to them. And so some of you need to do that. And can I just tell you, if you've already made your mind up about what you were going to do, and then you come and say, well, pastor, I'd like to have a meeting and tell you, um, like, and you're telling it, not asking it, that's not the same as receiving wise counsel. So people come to me all the time with their mind made up. The, way, the reason why you have access to leaders, to eldership, is so that you can actually um, do the opposite. You can go to them to help make a decision. So don't make a decision and then ask them to speak into it. It's already done. Like, bring them into it. Uh, number, number four, and this kind of flows with it, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, submit to them. What does that mean? What does it mean to submit to the elders of the local church? If they tell you you're not ready, but you think you're ready, assume you're not ready. If they tell you to serve in an area that you don't want to serve in, but that's the need, go the direction of the need. Because remember, I started this series by saying promotion doesn't come from even your elders. It comes from God. And so in the same way, if, if Joseph's brothers can throw him in a well, but, and then Potiphar's wife can lie on him, but he still ends up second in command of Egypt. What that goes to show you is even when everyone tries to stop you from being promoted, if your heart is right and you're doing God's commands, it's irrevocable. And so when you, when you go through this process of submission, it's something that most people just never do. And I would encourage you, the, the blessing and favor of God flows through that in a powerful way. Number five, and this is gonna be, crazy to say it out, out loud, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, acknowledge and appreciate them. Like, what would it look like if at your local campus, you acknowledge the pastors that have been given charge of your life, and you just wrote them a card? What, what would it look like if you looked them in the eyes and you just said, hey, I just want to tell you, you really have helped me I don't even know you that well, but just seeing you every week, you've changed my life. So there, you get what I'm saying. There's, there's something about that. And by the time we get to the end of this list, you'll be able to see that almost the entire New Testament is not about how you fulfill your destiny, but it's how you interact with this local body. <laughs> It's how you interact with leaders. It's how you interact with, with those. Like there's something rich about this message. It's something very rich. So acknowledge and appreciate your leaders. See, the world wants to tear our leaders down. That's what we're taught is belittle our leaders, make fun of our leaders. You know, Saturday Night Live, you know, make a skit about our leaders. Like this is how we treat leaders, make cartoons about them. And so, but when you bring that into the local church, um, you're not going to receive what God has for you. Number six, regard, esteem, respect, and honor them. That's 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Regard them, esteem them, respect them, and honor them. But Pastor Mike, I have a hard time respecting my leader. That has everything to do with you and not them. Because respect is something that you give. It's like forgiveness. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the person that hurts you. You have the ability to forgive through Jesus, but you also have the, the ability to redeem and, and, and respect a relationship. And you know what's funny? When you look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, Paul was about 63 years old when he wrote this book of the Bible. And when he was trying to get that, he was trying to sow a seed, he understood when you respect a leader, they become more respectable. 
When you disrespect a leader, they, they will be tempted to disrespect you. It's like people act the way you treat them. Everyone's like, why do people like you so much, Pastor Mike? Well, everywhere you go, there's lines of people wanting to meet you. You want me to tell you the truth? Because I treat them a way that no one else treats them. When everybody else calls them a loser, I call out their destiny. When everybody tells them that they can't be free, I say, you will be free. And when they're looking at me through a screen, I'm honoring them. And then I'm sowing so much honor that honor's coming back on me. I'm not a celebrity. I'm a man of God who's reaping what I sow. I sow honor and I reap honor. I, 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 I hold them in high regard. Oh, your, your husband doesn't respect you, but I respect you as a prophet. You know, and then that woman says, oh man, I love Pastor Mike. Well, it's because I'm holding her in higher regard. So she holds me in a higher regard. Does this make sense? I'm trying to show you the sacred ways of God. Number seven, live peaceably with your leaders. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 13, live peaceably with them. Are, are you a joy to, to have somebody, uh, you know, like, are you a joy to lead? Does your leader look at you and does their heart, heart, does their heart leap or does it creep? Do they see you coming and they're like, or do they see you coming and like, oh, what a relief they're here. Because again, God wants to raise you up, but he can't raise you up because what'll happen is you will end up discipling people that make your heart creep. <laughs> Because you always replicate what you are, not what you want. And that's, that's the why what I'm doing is this sermon, more so than any sermon I've preached in the last five years, is actually making room for expansion. And once you get it, you'll get it. Number eight, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Support them financially. This is literally in the Bible. Oh, why does that person, why, why does that pastor have this car? Why does that pastor have this house? I have to live here. I work here. No, listen, forget about your opinion. Stop being an American and start being a Christian. Like we are to support them financially. There is nothing wrong with that. This is literally the word of God. Support them financially. What would it look like if you gave in the tithes and the offering, but then you also went to your pastor and just said, I just want to bless you financially. I want to, I just want to, so take your kids out for lunch, take your kids out for dinner. You're doing something in the spiritual realm. And I'm trying to help you understand this is old school. And I feel like I want to cry because we've lost our way. We used to walk up to people in church and we did this thing called a holy handshake. And then we would have some money hidden in it and we would shake their hand. You remember those holy handshakes? When did we become so stingy? When did we become so competitive? When have we become so small-minded that we don't think we can both have something nice? Why, why are we devaluing the people that if you, and matter of fact, if you sow into these people, you will see that you will be challenging them to become more generous. You'll start a cycle. You'll provoke each other. Number nine, become a joy to serve. And then number 10, support their vision. Support their vision. But Pastor Mike, I have my own vision. Yes, but Jesus has the vision. And he passes his vision down to his leaders that are humans. And we see it in part. I've never gotten it right at V1. 
I, I mean, literally, it guts me every single week to even get up and preach, you guys. I mean, I don't know if you know this, and I hesitate to even reveal it. Every sermon I've ever preached for this house for seven years, I go to a secluded place. I did it when I was in the movie theater on Long Island for our first location. I found a bathroom on that mezzanine level, and that bathroom was the only place I had private. And I remember I would get down and just lay on my belly. And I would say, Lord, I'm not worthy to preach this sermon. I'm not worthy to lead these people. But God, and I don't even know why you picked me. It's not about the metrics. It's not about the money. It's not about the numbers. It's about making your name known in this city. And I would get down on the floor every week. And for seven years, I have not stopped doing it. I literally just did it before I jumped up on stage here in Indiana. And so the reason why I see value in even making you aware of that is every leader is trying to see what God wants them to see. It's the vision of Jesus for this church. And we're trying, but we know we only see in part. So when you honor the vision and the leaders that are serving, what will happen is that honor will release a more complete picture of that vision because trust will be built. Would you stand to your feet with me? I want to show you something really powerful. So now we're talking about the vision of Jesus, the leadership, and we're finishing on a definition of church. It's very weird that I would wait all the way until the fourth week of this series to actually define church. But my hope is that when I say this, it'll make sense in a way that because of all the other sermons, it would have never made sense if we started here. Church, the word that's used in scripture the word that the first century used before the Roman government and the Emperor Constantine hijacked it was ecclesia. And ecclesia means this. I'm going to read this entire paragraph so that across every campus right now we can understand the implication of what they meant when they said it. Because when I say the word church, you might think of a stained glass window. You might think of Sunday school. You might think of your favorite wild house cup of coffee that you come in and drink on a Sunday. You might think of powerful worship experiences. But when the original word was used and, they, and the apostle chose to use this, he was actually borrowing from Athenian culture. So have you ever heard of Athens? So when they used the word church, they weren't talking about buildings like this. They weren't talking about Sunday school. They weren't, no offense, they weren't talking about worship and coming together and singing songs. And they weren't talking about preaching. They were borrowing from Athens. And they said, what, what Jesus is going to do now is install ecclesia. Let me read it. A called, separated, and presti prestigious assembly used to denote a prestigious assembly of distinguished Athenian citizens, and those city, citizens determined laws, they debated public policy, they formulated new policies, they argued and ruled in judicial matters, they elected the chief magistrates of the land, and they decided who should be banished, who would be selected from society and invited to join this prestigious assembly, and it would have been a great honor and so in the New Testament, it depicts the body of believers who have been called out, who have been called forth, who have been selected and assembled to be God's representatives in every town, every city, every state or nation. 
And it is a body called to make decisions that affects the atmosphere of a region. So church was never supposed to be a lead pastor in a building with songs and sermons. It was always supposed to be a government. And the reason why I got chills all over me, and this is why I spend every single Sunday on my belly before the Lord, is I know the Signorelli family. I've traced my lineage all the way back to Sicily. There is nothing great about my family lineage. I know the dab side of my family, but I can't stop thinking about how the, the Athenians would have said, did you hear? I got selected to be a part of the government. I'm a part of that prestigious assembly. I get to be a mayor. I get to be a governor. I get to be a senator. I get to be the president. And they would have been called out and no longer are they, they common. And see, but then with that came a, a jurisdiction of power. With that came authority. And so I can't stop thinking about Julie and how she comes from a multi-generational lineage of Pentecostalism, and it was like the Owens family had this, they, we got called to this prestigious assembly, and so it's not about attending church, it's about taking your seat in a government, it's about sitting in the assembly, it's about receiving the authority that God has for you. The church had ruling power over regions, the ability to change atmospheres over regions, the ability to direct a whole city. It's mind-blowing. And so when you say G in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name is not the incantation of a charismatic. In Jesus' name is the legal language of somebody, a part of assembly, stamp and sign the document. It is a power greater than the power of this world. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus said to his disciples who are getting ready to join the ecclesia, you're going to become apostles now. You're going to graduate from this, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. I don't think you guys understand that's legal language. That is a legal language. And so this is what this is. Okay, let me break this down because he's saying in my name, my name, Romans chapter one, verse five, we have received grace and apostleship to bring out the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. That's legal language. Let, Romans chapter nine, verse 17, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Romans chapter 15, verse nine, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing of your name. It's I, These people are Gentiles. They don't know Jesus, but we're going to bring the government and they're going to become citizens of another place. So let me explain it like this. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name. Have you ever stopped to think why? It doesn't say for everyone who calls on Jesus. Oh, I told you this is mind blowing. It says for everyone who calls on the name. Because the name is saying, if I could just cross that border into the United States, they'll give me asylum. I'm not, listen, that's not, listen, you can have your arguments at lunch about whether or not that should happen. 
but it's a mentality of, if I stay here, I'm going to stay in these conditions, but if I can crawl over that border and I can claim the name, if I can take the name, the name of a nation, the name of a people, the name of the Father, so there's something about the name of Jesus that's jurisdiction. There's something about crawling over. If I could just crawl over the border and get into this other country, your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven, so it is in Portage, so it is in New York City, so it is in Amityville. There's something about the name. So decrees can be issued by governments. Decrees can be issued by the leaders of those governments. Decrees can be issued by the authorities to establish laws, regulations, and policies. So in a religious or spiritual context now, a decree can also refer to a statement or declaration made with a sense of divine authority that's been imputed by God. And so let me break this down because I'm about to make a decree over our entire church globally. We have been assembled because we were called out among the masses. So you did, listen, just like you don't ask for jury duty, but jury duty is asked of you. You think that you attended church to get a t-shirt. You think you came because your friend invited you. No, you've been called to join a government. You've been called to take on a new name. You've been called to change your identity. This is the called out ones. But you have been empowered now by that government, which means you've been marshaled, which means you got a badge on you that makes you dangerous. And then you have been commissioned by Jesus Christ, the head of the church, to issue decrees that change a region. And there's a reason why I'm in Northwest Indiana for this sermon. It's a divine timeline because we're starting here. And from the middle of America, we're making a decree that's going to go to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Are you ready? But before we get ready to do this, because I want everybody to do something right now. Can everybody across every campus just come up front? I want you to leave your seats on Long Island, New York City, Miami. Just come up front. Come up to the lip of the the edge of the auditorium stage, wherever you're at. If you're watching at home, just get up off your couch for this moment. Because we're going to do this together. And as I get ready to make this decree and release it over every one of you as the designated leader of this house, Our prayer team is going to begin to go through after this declaration and lay hands on many of you. They're going to give you prophetic words. They're going to minister to you because we are V1. We are the wild ones. This is one house with many rooms. And God has joined us together and assembled us. Of course, there's better churches. Of course, there's different churches. But let me just say this. We're not celebrating growth. We're celebrating discipleship that produces growth. We're not celebrating video views. We are celebrating prophetic messages that God allows and gives for permission to saturate society. And the views are the result of prophetic permissions. Everybody has a right to post a video, but God Almighty promotes the video. And I want you to understand that if you've been half in or half out with V1 Church, and, and I, I pray that you hear me and you hear my heart, every government has a census. Every team has a roster. 
Every class takes role. Every military has an enlistment and every family member has a seat at the table. So this is your day to count yourself among this family. This is your time to say, I'm, I'm all in, I'm all in. We're about to make a legal decree. Come on, I want you to not just feel the presence of the Lord, but experience the presence of those around you. Experience those that God brought you into relationship with. Every race, every age, male and female, across every location right now. And we're gonna make a decree because God gives permission. See, one law is given permission to supersede another law. Even in healing, it's the laws of nature are able to be overrode by the God who created the laws of nature. So when you say, I decree in the name of Jesus healing, what you're saying is my government supersedes this law of this government. Come on, so let's make a bold declaration. Come on, I'm gonna make, I made a declaration over our house years ago. And the Lord drew me back to that moment and he said, Mike, every single thing that you declared has come to pass. It's time for a new declaration. <laughs> and so on the eve of the Domino Revival movie, on the eve of uh, V1 worship going to the next level and the nation singing our songs, on the eve of what God's about to do next, it's time for a new declaration. Are you ready, church? Come on, help me out here. I decree that our children will be saved. I join with the parents of V1 Church to declare, as for me and my entire house, we will serve the Lord. I decree that our sons and daughters will prophesy. Our old men will dream dreams and every generation will experience an outpouring of God's presence. I decree that we will operate in wisdom, revelation, and knowledge, and we will not operate in the foolishness of the world. I decree that we, as a church, will infiltrate every aspect of the arts and entertainment, and we will usher in a new renaissance that utilizes mediums of video, of poetry and prose, painting and music to declare the gospel in cutting edge ways. I decree that we will develop technologies and lead at the forefront of industries that have long been dominated by those who create but do not know the creator. We will leverage and advance and innovate technologies that place the church at the front gate again. I decree that we will raise up and release kingdom entrepreneurs. They will understand how to speak the languages of culture, yet they will establish the culture of heaven. They will become a river movement that funds initiatives for the saving of millions of souls globally. I decree women will not be silenced by the rhetoric of demonic doctrines Free Women Collective will rise and a golden megaphone will be placed on the messages that God is speaking through his daughters in this house for this hour. 
I decree men will rise up into the fullness of their role to protect and provision households that serve as embassies of heaven in towns and cities around the world. Men who shift atmospheres, men who break chains, men who release God-ordained potential of all those around them. And I decree, we are the revival generation foretold by the mothers and fathers of the faith. I decree the next domino has dropped and the days that we have prayed for have begun today. We decree it in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout, somebody worship.